On Sunday, the bridge over Nanfang Ao Harbor was finally opened to traffic at 3 p.m. the following after following three years of reconstruction. President Tsai Ing-wen and Premier Su Zhenchang both attended the opening ceremony. Over three years ago, there was a deadly accident when the bridge collapsed, killing six people. While walking and chatting, President Tsai Ing-wen did not forget to wave and greet onlookers. The government had fulfilled its promise to complete the bridge construction project within three years. President Tsai and Premier Su Zhenchang both attended the inauguration ceremony for the reopening of the Nanfangao Cross Harbour Bridge. I would like to thank the government team led by Premier Su Zhenchang for its active assistance in post-disaster reconstruction. I believe that once the new bridge is open to traffic, its surrounding commercial areas will be even more prosperous. Sightseeing here will be even more popular and transportation will be more convenient. This will usher in brand new development opportunities for Nanfang Ao. An investigation found that 101 bridges needed to be immediately rebuilt and strengthened. As of today, this work has been completed for 100 of the 101. There's only one left. Next year in April, that construction will be completed. From all of this, you can see that under President Tsai's leadership, there is emphasis on local issues. Sue was able to report to the public that comprehensive inspections of all the nation's bridges had been completed and a supervisory system had been established. Local media reports had said Sue and President Tsai's interactions had become frosty, owing to an anticipated cabinet reshuffle. But Sue came out to refute this. There's actually no point in everyone writing all kinds of articles about the relationship between me and the president because the premier and the president themselves are clearest on the hard work the other one has to do. It was obvious that Sue wanted to quash this speculation and show he and Tsai remain good friends. The annual Taipei Marathon was held on Sunday while the city was under a cold spell. However, despite early morning temperatures of only 8 degrees, 28,000 runners showed up to join the event, some wearing raincoats and arm coverings to stay warm and dry. Let's hear from some of the runners. This is my first year running in the event. It's 8 degrees today, so I'm doing everything I can to stay warm. I came up from Taichung. I'm wearing a raincoat and arm coverings. Today is comparatively cold. I've never run in weather this cold before. I'm wearing extra layers. The runners won't be cold once they start running. It's those of us who aren't running who will feel cold. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhou was at the marathon bright and early to fire the starting pistol. This year, participants in wheelchairs joined the race for the first time and Olympic runner Zhang Jiazhe ran alongside them. The winners of the annual race took home 800,000 NT in prize money. A Kenyan man, Lani Kiplagat Ruto, won the men's section and an Ethiopian woman, Alemsehe Asifa Kassin, the women's. With so much money on the line, there was no shortage of runners willing to brave the cold. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan on Saturday attended the opening ceremony of the city's new main library. Covering an area of 51,600 square meters and nearly one million books, it's Taiwan's largest library at the town and county level. With its various learning and leisure facilities for the public, the city said it hopes the library will become a new landmark for people of all ages. 
Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenshan puts the final pieces into a plaque. At the inauguration of the Taoyuan City Public Library's new main location, Zheng joins National Central Library Director Zheng Shuxian and others on stage. The library took four years to complete. On Saturday, it was finally open to the public. Located in the city's arts and culture district, the library was created by one of the key designers of the Japan National Stadium, who collaborated with local designers. The design is inspired by living trees and incorporates breathability into its construction. Its subtle green and wood tone walls are designed to reduce the heat island effect. A central spiral reduces carbon emissions. Guests will notice the spiral and natural lighting immediately when they enter. Everyone has been eagerly anticipating this opening. The building has won gold in a public construction competition and won a national level construction excellence award. Its design is based on a living tree and its walls are environmentally friendly and connected to ventilation shafts. The new award-winning library is also the largest library in Taiwan at the city and county level, covering an area of 51,600 square meters. It has two basement levels and eight above-ground floors, and houses a collection of nearly one million books. The first floor houses a popular Japanese bookstore and cafe, and the second floor has a reading room. The sixth floor houses a space for cultural diversity experiences, with VR equipment and language learning materials. The first to seventh floors are designed around age groups with multicultural experiences, materials on local culture and VR equipment. People of all ages can come here to enjoy different reading and culture-related experiences. Taoyuan's new library is complete and soon a new theatre will open next door. The city hopes the space will draw in people of all ages to enjoy its learning and leisure facilities. The new library may even become a new landmark for the city, putting Taoyuan squarely on the map. Now to the world of dance. Urban dancer Joanna has launched a project to get kids from Taidong's rural communities into the dance studio. After 20 years of pursuing dance all over the world, she's most excited about bringing it down to earth and inspiring young people in her native Taidong. She hopes that classes and workshops for rural youth will let them blossom in the world of movement. Joanna shows off in the spotlight. She's dedicated her whole life to dance. But it's not just on stage that she shines. She's also an expert at teaching dance at all levels. Here in a vocational high school in Taidong, students are working hard on their moves. Joanna often visits junior high schools to teach performing arts. And here, junior high students link hands to practice a traditional indigenous dance move. Joanna brings urban dance together with Taiwan's own dance traditions. Here she's performing a piece connected to the earth itself. It's based on her life experience as a Taidong native, born and bred. After university, she managed to save up 500,000 NT over five years' work. She went to Japan for a work-study period, studying urban dance and fashion design. Then she went to the U.S. to continue her education before returning to Taidong to teach the next generation of talented dancers. I've taught the Arts Foundation course for almost 10 years now. In the last few years, I felt that teaching kids moves is less important than teaching them how to be creative. Now we've applied specially for funds to help kids in more remote communities in Taidong so that they can come and attend classes in Taidong City. 
Resources for budding teachers in Taidong are scarce, so kids with a dancing dream make the most of their chance. 950 Homies is an urban dance group. We've been in Taidong 14 years already. I want to make creativity something very simple. It just starts from every action we take in life, and that makes it not so far away in terms of difficulty. Joanna uses skills from many disciplines to bring people together in dance, no matter if they come from a rural village or a big city. After 20 years in dance, she hopes to give kids in more remote locations a chance to discover themselves on stage. Taiwan's cold spell is still in full swing. In the early hours of the morning, the lowest recorded temperature in Taiwan's lowlands was 5.7 degrees measured at New Taipei's Cape Fugui. On Wednesday, another wave of cold, dry air is expected to move southwards, and it may be the coldest snap of this winter. This coming week in general, Taiwan's winter weather is expected to be at its most severe, and the public is advised to take precautions and bundle up. Let's hear from the CWB. 21st,就是礼拜三之后,我们又会有另外一波的强烈大陆冷气团. After the 21st, which is Wednesday, we will see another strong continental cold air mass moving southwards. Because there will be more cold air continuously coming down from the north, after Wednesday until Friday and Saturday, we will be in a situation where temperatures are rather cool. On the 21st, there will be more water vapour in the air, and the northern and eastern regions could see some short spells of rain. Weather patterns will likely be mainly dry and cold, on the 22nd and afterwards. At around 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, the first snow of the year fell briefly on Hehuanshan, exciting snow lovers in Taiwan. The CWB says cold weather will be continuous until Christmas Day. The public is advised to bundle up, particularly in the mornings and evenings. Leopard cats are a protected species in Taiwan with an estimated population of less than 600 around the country. However, an initiative aimed at raising the cat's numbers through eco-friendly farming has shown success. Conservationists at an organic farming cooperative in Nantou say that by letting grass on farmlands grow taller, insects and rodents will return to the farms, providing food for leopard cats to forage. However, this method is not without its challenges and farmers must be especially vigilant to protect their crops in the absence of pesticides and herbicides. Let's hear what they have to say. It's 9 a.m. and the first truck of the day has arrived at the fruit distribution center in Nanto's Zhongliao Township, its bed filled with bananas. The sounds of the arriving farmer break the silence of this sleeping mountain town. Fruit farmer Tai Zhenjin has brought the fruits of his labor, bunches of bananas wrapped in blankets to protect them from damage. This is Nanto's Organic Produce Cooperative. Local farmers gather here every Thursday, bringing their organically grown bananas with them. Freshly picked organic bananas must be grated, washed and sterilized, and are then dried and put aside for ripening. When they start to yellow, they get shipped out, delivered to customers while they are still fresh.
The sorting process at the Zhongliao Distribution Center is more involved than elsewhere in the country and requires greater labor. This is all due to the presence of one particular animal. In this photo taken by a hidden camera, a cat-like animal is seen holding its prey in its mouth. This is the leopard cat, a protected species in Taiwan. It's normally seen alone and is most active at night when it comes out to feed on rodents and other small prey. There are three identifying characteristics of a leopard cat. The first is the two white stripes that feature prominently on its head. The second is the fur on the back of its ears, which is mostly black with white spots. The third is the black spots covering the rest of its body, which are round like ancient copper coins. There's also a similar pattern on its belly, so people sometimes refer to it as the copper coin cat. The leopard cat is one of Taiwan's most precious wild animals, but its numbers have been dropping in recent decades. It's estimated that between 400 and 600 of the cats remain in the wild in Taiwan today. Early on, they were threatened by hunting. Nowadays, the biggest problem they face is the loss or destruction of their habitat. Another problem is that there is often conflict between the activities of humans and that of leopard cats. For example, the cats may enter chicken coops, and in a bid to protect the coops, people feel it is necessary to poison the animals or lay traps. This kills them off, one by one, and makes it impossible for them to recover, for their populations to grow. To prevent human activity from impacting the leopard cat population, the Forestry Bureau last year implemented a reward system for three types of activity. Those engaging in environmentally friendly farming, those reporting invasions of chicken coops by leopard cats, and those patrolling and monitoring leopard cat activity can apply to the Bureau for rewards, sometimes referred to as an eco-salary. As for eco-friendly farms, numbers from last year show that across three counties and municipalities, they covered nearly 280 hectares. Nanto accounted for most of that, with roughly 180 hectares of friendly farms in the county. That was followed by Miaoli with 90 hectares, and Taizong accounting for the remaining 10 hectares or so. However, to claim rewards from the Bureau, farmers must meet several conditions. They cannot use herbicides, rat poison, or animal traps, and their crops must pass tests for safe levels of pesticides. The front of the tree here was eaten by weevils. Look, it's all covered in ants here. I'll cut a piece off and show you guys. If we're lucky, we'll see a weevil. Are there any? Let's see. This is why we need to be vigilant with trimming leaves because the weevils will hide in here. This is Tsai's orchard. It spans about 38,800 square meters. Looking over the horizon, one is greeted with two large hills. The whole orchard is spread across a hilly terrain. If you apply to be recognized as an eco-friendly farm, they will come and install cameras and observe changes to the ecosystem on your farmland. 
If they manage to capture images of leopard cats, they will give you a 10,000 NT subsidy. So we are very willing to have the cameras installed. Actually, you can think of this eco-salary as a way for the government to speak up for leopard cats. In doing so, the public will slowly start to like these animals. And when conflicts occur, there is this mechanism to encourage people to tell authorities rather than to privately hunt the animals or to poison them. Applying for eco-salaries may appear to be an easy task, but it is anything but. Even a simple stipulation of the program, such as requiring farmers to let grass grow to 30 centimeters, goes against their habits. Traditional farming methods involve cutting grass and using pesticides. When I first started doing organic farming, there was this transition away from traditional farming methods. In that process, because the plants had been under the protection of pesticides and chemical fertilizers, they had no natural resistance. So regretfully, when I started out with organic farming, I ended up killing the citrus tree that my father had grown 20 to 30 years ago. For Tsai, breaking away from the traditional farming methods his father taught him has meant one challenge after another. However, through gradual changes, he has achieved a harvest beyond what he thought was possible. There are some ecologists who will tell you that grass and crops can grow together and that you don't need to get rid of the grass for the crops to grow well. You can find some sort of symbiosis between the two. When the leopard cat-friendly initiative was first being touted, of course, we considered its required diet. It mainly eats rodents, and rodents need grass like this to hide in. The rodents may also eat the grass or smaller insects, so the grass is needed for the leopard cat to forage. We found an agriculture expert who worked with us on the initiative, and they told us they hoped the grass could be left to grow to at least 30 centimeters. Initially, we were worried that farmers wouldn't be willing to let it grow that long. The 30 centimeters length also allows for healthy soil. If you have grass, the soil temperature will be more stable. You won't need to subject the tree roots to temperatures that fluctuate between hot and cold. This is better for plants. One thing that worries farmers here is being unable to sell their produce, which has a set purchase price of 45 NT per kilogram for bananas. That's nearly three times the 16 NT asking price for non-organic bananas. Since we aim to protect leopard cats through our farming methods, we use that to brand our bananas. We tell farmers that since they are protecting the cats, they can bring their bananas here to the cooperative and we can help them fetch a higher price. This means a higher salary for the farmer. So we hope that aside from the eco-salary subsidy program, the farmers can also earn a higher income from the sale of their produce. That way, they will be more willing to engage in eco-friendly farming and to work with us on our conservation activities. Local farmers also cooperate on leopard cat conservation patrols. Once a month, they patrol the perimeter of the leopard cat's habitat, looking for stray cats and dogs and surveying the ecosystem. Don't 
The patrol group installed four cameras. When we go on patrol, we check the perimeter of this community. We check each camera and check whether there are weeds growing around them or whether any of them have been stolen. We also look for stray dogs and whether there have been any animals hit and killed by vehicles. We have to go on patrol once every month. If any of the four cameras capture images of leopard cats, the Forestry Bureau will give us 50,000 NT. If three months have passed and we have captured more images, we can get another 50,000 NT for a maximum of 100,000 NT. The money goes to the patrol group. So what this means is that the eco-salary program is not just for individual farmers. The Bureau also hopes that communities will get involved. <laughs> 能够孕育食虎，其实是因为这里面的环境很丰富。Anyone who comes to this leopard cat habitat will find out the reason that leopard cats can breed here is because the environment here is full of abundance. If you were to put a leopard cat in the zoo, it would just be a zoo animal. It wouldn't play an ecological role. If you put rat poison in the fields, the crops will absorb that, and we will end up eating it in the end. So we feel that for the good of the environment as a whole, it's better to bring leopard cats back to the lower altitude areas of Taiwan where it can play an important ecological role. Conservationists hope that not only leopard cats but all wild animals can be protected from disturbance by human activity. Protecting wildlife and its habitats is in the interest of all humanity.